You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Thursday, or what's left of it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group, and decided that we are going to do, I decided this midday, and I didn't let anyone know other than me, that uh, we, instead of doing the mailbag, figured it was just a better route to do the uh, the post game today mailbag tomorrow gives a little bit more time for some questions and such and then we'll knock out the mailbag a little bit earlier uh but uh hopefully a lot of you saw the the video yesterday because uh we had a separate angle and it was come kind of out of focus but I'm playing with a new toy so that's going to be hopefully part of that and then today we don't have full light set up one of the lights decided it wasn't going to work so if you're listening none of this matters uh, but uh, anyway, let's get to this basketball game. Uh, of course, I jumped the gun a little bit, didn't pull up anything. So uh, <laughs> that that part is uh, all kinds of fun. But Michigan does lose to number one, Purdue, 75 to 70. There was a lot of good coming out of this game. But again, the bad kind of reared its ugly head. Michigan probably... If it wasn't for the issue that we've had all year with this Michigan basketball team, and I, I speak for me, I think I speak for most of the fans, a lot of people out there, is that this, this team seems to have real issues with the personnel groupings. Now, I have other issues as well, which kind of happened and we'll get to as well. But the personnel groupings, and I understand some of it was necessitated by just the lack of bodies, right? You didn't have Jet Howard in this game, and then you see two guys get into foul trouble pretty quickly right away in uh, in Jace Howard as well as Terrace Reed. So you you had to kind of do a couple different things that maybe you weren't intending on doing. But the, the stubbornness to change when things kind of weren't working, which is what when the game kind of got away from Michigan. Because Michigan pretty much played Purdue evenly throughout the game. Yet, they lost by five. Thanks in large part to a, what was it, a 12-0 run by Purdue late in the first half. That is kind of the difference. Now, basketball is a game of runs, so it's hard to pin it on that. Michigan did in order just to get it to five, granted it was down to three there with a couple seconds left until the foul, late foul, but at the same time, this was a situation where it was kind of a tit-for-tat type situation for this Wolverines basketball team against the Boilermakers. It just seemed like they were answering each other back and forth. The problem is, is every time Michigan would even get four points, Purdue would answer with a two or three. And that would have been good and well if it wasn't for that one stretch of runs late in the first half that Michigan could not overcome with Isaiah Barnes out on the floor. And, and I was excited when Isaiah Barnes was out there for the sake of we're now we're really going to see what this kid can do. And first two plays were like, OK, defensive stop basket. All right. This guy is doing, maybe he he just will turn it on in the biggest game of his life, right? 
But no. Then it just went to complete awfulness. And you can see on the defensive end why maybe he isn't uh, isn't the guy there. And uh, also offensively to some degree. I mean, he, he missed two threes. He went one for four overall with for two points. Um, but I, I, I have no problem with him being in there. But you need to have your, you know, he needs to be the exception to the rule. You need to have most of your A players out there in that type of situation. And that just isn't what was going to happen. Uh, just kind of given how everything was going in that time. And that's what really kind of sunk Michigan in a lot of ways. Now, the other part that I think sunk Michigan, and there are a couple different things, but uh, one of the other major things was, like I just kind of mentioned, is Purdue did not take much time off. They didn't go into long scoring droughts. They found a way every time they needed a basket. Every time Michigan, especially once Michigan went from it being a 11 or 12 point, I can't remember what the, the top was, uh, it didn't surge past 12, but every time that Michigan got to that point where they got cut it to, to seven or cut it to six or cut it to five, Purdue always, oh, on the next possession, once it got at, at least down to five, it, they always pushed it back, hit a huge shot. Michigan defensively had no answers. Now, it didn't help that it seemed like the rims were just so favorable to Purdue. It just seemed like... They, they would put up what looked like a wild, out-of-control shot, and you'd at the outside, you'd be like, well, that's not going in. And somehow it bounces off the, the rim, then up hits the backboard, uh, it goes off the scoreboard for some reason, uh, bounces off the floor, hits the top of Juwan's head, who somehow inbounds ineligible, and goes in. Right? That, that's like what we saw multiple times throughout the game. And you can't really help that. I think Michigan did a decent enough job of being in the way defensively, but it wasn't enough. They just had too much. Um, obviously, Zach Eady being the, the main culprit, he and Fletcher Lawyer, 19 and 17 points uh, together. The bench is what really brought them together as well. Uh, 23 points off the bench. Michigan had not that. <laughs> Looking at Michigan, what Michigan had, uh, nine off the bench. So, that is the big difference. But, I mean, you also have to figure out that two of, two of the players who were in, if not three, are, were supposed to be bench players this year. Doug McDaniel is supposed to be a bench player. Uh, and uh, I guess really just two, Doug McDaniel and Joey Baker. Because you expect, you expect Jalen Newellen and, and uh, Jet Howard to play in this game. And obviously that's not the case. But they just, it just isn't, it just wasn't enough. And yet, I thought it was a valiant effort kind of from top to bottom by Michigan. It wasn't as disappointing as some of the other games that we've seen, at least the ones that I've seen. Like I've told you, I've been kind of intermittent with the, with the, the watching of the Michigan basketball this year. Sometimes I've tuned in and seen kind of the same thing we see all the time. Uh, so anyway, all right, we're going to move on here. Uh, but before before we do, the NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets 
from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets. I did it again. <laughs> kind of. Uh, didn't say combine. I said combine. Okay. Your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That's my favorite thing to do. I will be doing that this weekend. I don't know. I'm don't follow my advice of whatever I if, if I give you some betting advice on the NFL. I'm over. But you can explore that with your $150 free. All it's it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get back into this game here. Michigan basketball. There's no football anything to really speak of today. Um, We're just kind of in a holding pattern with some things, and hopefully uh, some more things kind of pop up here. Unless you want to talk about Mason Graham signing an NIL deal with Randy Wise, which is right here in the town I'm in, Fenton, Michigan. But uh, (laughs) no, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about, we're going to make this all basketball. Uh, So obviously just things did not go very well for for Michigan uh, overall in this one. Uh, But they played a lot better, I think. I think if they gave that type of effort and played that brand of basketball, against every team it faced it would win more than it's going to lose and I don't just mean that like Michigan's 11 and 9 right now but I mean that they would probably win 75% of their games if not more instead of being at 60% or so I'm not posting and thanks to ESPN for uh for throwing a video on when I didn't ask for it anyway I don't have stat broadcast up. I decided to pull up ESPN, and that's my mistake. Worldwide leader failed us. Anyway, uh, but for the most part, Michigan did a good job on the things that they don't normally do a great job of. They, the perimeter defense, I thought was fine. I mean, they allowed forty-one point seven percent of their of them their threes. A couple of those were open looks. I didn't think it was as glaring as sometimes what we see as far as turnovers. I mean, Michigan turned the ball over six times compared to 12 times from Purdue. Purdue did out rebound them by pretty significantly by eight rebounds. Uh, Nine of them, nine more offensive, uh, sorry, that's defensive rebounds. Sorry, defensive rebounds. I'm just reading this wrong. Uh, They, they, Michigan had one more offensive rebound, uh, but they were short on the defensive rebounds. So that was a a big part. As far as the field goal percentage, I mean, Purdue outshot them by 10%. Like I said, they made shots. Michigan didn't. Michigan had good looks. A lot of them were in and out. A couple air balls here and there. Not a lot that I would say was completely ill-advised. And you're doing this against the number one team in the country. At home... 
Purdue almost never wins in Ann Arbor. Uh, but it really felt like Michigan was on the way to, at, at least in the first, like, 15, 16, 17-ish minutes that this was going to be a game until that stretch. Uh, lots of pretty much full contribution from people. I'd say with Joey Baker it was a little too little too late, uh, but he did put Michigan within striking distance at the very end of the game. I would have liked to have seen that more, but he finished with 11 points, went three of eight from three, four of 10 overall. But they had three guys in double digits, Hunter Dickinson, 21, Kobe Bufkin at 16. Bufkin really came alive in that second half. I really liked the contribution from him. I thought Doug McDaniel was kind of growing up. And I think it's to be, to be expected, right? Because it's not like, I, I, don't, I still don't know. I was asking myself this question during the game. Who would I have wanted more out there? End of season Frankie Collins last year? Or this year, Kobe Bufkin. And uh, sorry, not uh, Kobe Bufkin, but uh, Doug McDaniel. And I don't know the answer to that. That's a good thing for Doug McDaniel, right? Because I think we all really liked what we saw from Frankie Collins late and, you know, in the Big Ten tournament and such there at the end of the year last year. But I, I really like what we're seeing from Doug McDaniel right now. He had nine points, four rebounds, made some really good decisions. It's, his baskets were timely. It's almost like I want to see more. And I know he's not necessarily going to go out there and shoot all like crazy, just be a, a guy just putting up shots. But it, it feels like he has that in him, that he has that I can take over a game if I really want or need to in him. So I kind of want to see it more. My question is, I have a couple here. What has happened to Terrence Williams? He had a pretty good game against Maryland. But outside of that, like it, it, the translation of going from sixth man to starter, I guess now we know why he hasn't been a starter, which is disappointing because it's just like you see so much potential there. And there's those moments where you're like, man, this guy's going to be so good once he gets to be in the spotlight. But it has not translated. He finished with four points, went one for two, had two free throws that he hit. That's it. Two rebounds and a steal and a turnover. You need more from a guy like that. Junior, that has just been kind of biding his time, has been a really good sixth man for this team. It, you just need more. Is, it, or is he a senior? I can't even remember at this point. It seems like he's been around forever. But I thought otherwise, I mean, those other three that we mentioned, Hunter Dickinson, Doug McDaniel. Hunter, the, I do have the question with Hunter, is it does feel in a weird way like... It's not that he's regressed, but that teams have kind of figured out different ways to play him. Because he has not been just an unstoppable force. Now, granted, he's going up against Zach Eady in, in this game. and uh, But th- I'm not just speaking just strictly of this game. It, it's, he's not really doing much more than what we saw at this point in time of his freshman year. Uh, the threes are, I think, the, the one difference. And he did... Good on that. Three of seven. Went six of eight from the free throw line. Those are those are great things. But it, it isn't really... It, it hasn't seemed this year to the most part. From what I the games that I have watched, 
that Hunter is in a situation where it's like, man, they really need a basket. He is going to get it for you. You can run everything through him. Now, I'm not saying he's been bad. I mean, obviously, he's the best player on the team. He got 21 points, hit some timely threes, made an amazing play when he was doubled by Edie, and I can't remember who the other one was. He had the two bigs on him. And yet, he still came away with the play. And I think that, again, it's, it's not a matter of Hunter's regressing as much as other teams are figuring out ways to, to make him uncomfortable. So I hope he finds a way to go through that. But all in all, I mean, I thought it was a good performance, but, you know, that doesn't really do much for the hopes and the dreams of the year, right? They would have been a complete, a moment to say Michigan had turned it around if they could have gone and actually beaten Purdue, number one team in the country. That could have been the catalyst. Now, maybe a close loss to Purdue is the catalyst as well, right? It doesn't have to be the 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 season ender but they've got to figure some things out right now we're going to talk about the rest of the schedule the outlook for this team moving forward here in just a moment all right michigan moves kind of into the middle of the big 10 standings now after this after being in the pole position for a minute now Purdue remains number one. Their only loss is to Rutgers, who's behind them. Northwestern, Michigan State uh, are ahead of Michigan. Michigan's three and a half games back now with Indiana, Illinois. But they're ahead of Penn State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, who's just fallen off an absolute cliff, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So uh, Michigan's gone from the win-win-lose-lose route that it's gone for most of the season to win-lose-win-lose. And it very well could go like that here in the foreseeable uh, when you look at uh, what's up and coming. Now, I would expect at least for it to be something like win, toss-up, probably a win, and I'll get into the actual games here in a moment a win probably a loss who knows who knows probably a loss who knows who knows and who knows <laughs> that's that's where we're at and so that's just me going through the schedule on its own without the uh without me telling you who we're talking about so Penn State's the next game. That's Sunday at noon. I'm getting tired of these Sunday games uh, for my own personal sake. <laughs> uh, expect, like, if you're going to have a Sunday game, have it at, have it like four or something. That would make everything so much easier here. Uh, but uh, they go to Penn State. Then they go to Northwestern. So I think that they probably split those. Penn State is got a little bit better record than Michigan right now, which is kind of not a really good sign of where Michigan is at the moment. I mean, Penn State's improving. They got a new coach compared to what they've had. They're they're not what they were. They're not the absolute doormat of the conference. But Michigan really had to stand strong to pull one out against said doormat on Sunday, Minnesota. So you got you got Penn State, the team you've already beaten by 10 at home. You're playing in uh, Bryce Jordan. 
Then you go to Northwestern. Another team you've already beaten, but this is at Northwestern. Northwestern's been pretty good. You're one of their five losses. Then you've got Ohio State, who's reeling a bit. They are 3-6 and six in conference after the hot start. They have just fallen absolute apart. So I, I could see Michigan going, well, the next one's Nebraska, hosting Nebraska. They could go, Michigan should go either 2-2, two and two, which would be, a, I think, a disappointment, or 3-1, and one, or even better, 4-0 in that stretch. If they play like they did tonight, they will do exactly that. Um, and the schedule, th- thankfully, doesn't get, like, super crazy here. I mean, the, there's really no team, especially, again, you know, you, you have a tough loss to Purdue. But after that, Indiana, who's been very good lately. They're, but they're 5-4 and four in the conference. You, you host Indiana. You go to Wisconsin on Valentine's Day. Wisconsin has not been very good lately either. It's starting to suddenly, Greg Gard's starting to get a little bit of uh, hate from some of the Wisconsin faithful, which is kind of weird to see. At least my Wisconsin friends are like that. You host Michigan State, which didn't go well in East Lansing, but we've seen it not go well in East Lansing, and then Michigan run them off the court in, in Chrysler. Go to Rutgers, which feels daunting. Host Wisconsin. Go to Illinois, which has not gone well for Michigan in recent memory. And then you finish out the year at Indiana, which who knows? So Michigan could go on a run, but it's going to have to find some consistency. Now, to the point that I just talked about, about the idea of them, you know, running a team off the court. They haven't really done that in a long time. Last time that they've done that was at Maryland. And that was how long ago now? Feels like a year ago, right at the beginning of the new year. That is basically the only time they have run a team off the court since Pitt. That's it. They haven't really been that team. So what they need, number one, is to to get Jet Howard back and for him to round back into form quickly. Settle in on those players that you know are going to be able to give you the good contributions. If you want to put in some guys that are kind of starting to, you know, maybe flash a little bit, do it in stretches, but recognize the moment that they're, that when they're on the court, if suddenly another team's going on the run, as soon as you're at like negative five, I think it's time to, to bounce them and figure something else out because to overcome that kind of run like they, they tried to do against Purdue. It's a valiant effort, but it's not really going to get the job done. This was a winnable game. You feel like they took a step forward, but it still doesn't feel very good. You know what I mean? All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we are going to come back on Friday with the mailbag. Look for an earlier episode just because I have some, some things going on later in the day. So uh, we will get to that. But thank you for watching and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. 
Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.